Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's Word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. So this month we are looking at family generally, and... Um, I believe last week I wasn't in church, but we did something on parenting, and that was, that was wonderful. And uh, today we're going to continue. I think last month when we were doing the work-life balance and all, uh, I managed to steal in one week for, for marriage as well. So this month we are looking at families where marriage, parenting, all that comes in. So I'm going to do marriage again today, but this time I want to put the emphasis on not just married people, but on pretty much everybody, the whole spectrum. Those who have been married before and are divorced now, those who are maybe widowed now, those who are still searching for a partner, husband or wife, those who maybe even have said they don't want to ever get married at all. I believe there will be something for everyone, for the whole family, the whole spectrum. Amen. So help us, God. I would like us to turn our Bibles to the book of John, the Gospel of St. John, and to chapter 4. John 4. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. From verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sika, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a, woman, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But Jews claim, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come 
when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. From verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Amen. An incredible story of redemption, of grace, and of restoration. Beautiful story. I'm sure we've all heard it before. It's not new to us. But I want us to glean some lessons from it. We know this woman. We, we see that she's a woman who was not one to be proud of her past. Clearly a woman who has gone through several men, five husbands in the past. I wonder how old she was. And now, even at that moment, she was living with someone who wasn't her husband. And lots of commentators, I'm sure you've heard through the years, will say how unusual it is for a woman like this to come to the well at noon. Usually they'll go to the well in the mornings, early, before the sun comes out. And usually they'll go in groups. You know how they do it in the villages, for security, for safety and all that. All women will go in the early mornings, go get their water to do their day's work. So it gives an idea that she must have been an outcast. You know, she must have been shying away from the rest of the population. So she'll come out alone. In the afternoon when nobody was there, she fetches her water quietly, she goes back home. So you get a picture of what kind of woman this woman was. Someone who must have had a very poor self-image. Someone who must have felt not wanted. You know, men will use you, leave you. Another man will come, use you, leave you. I, I, I don't want to be that woman. And so, this is the woman Jesus comes to. And then we see that Jesus sees into her life. Jesus sees all that is going on, and he decides to break all protocol. Because one, Jews do not speak to Samaritans. Two, men do not speak to women in public like that. But Jesus breaks all those protocols and approaches the woman. He makes a move. He goes to her, and then he begins to engage her, asking for water to drink. But we can see from the conversation that he had a reason for starting that conversation. And at the end of it all, we see that Jesus points out to her her deficiencies. He points out to her where she was hurting. Points out where her, her shortfalls were. You know, and he, he tackled that. And he tackled it directly because he had an answer for her. And it's, it's beautiful to note how very, very uncomplicated Jesus' answer was. And I like that because honestly... His answer is the same for all of us. It's not complicated. It's not difficult at all. Jesus helped this woman see that he, Jesus, was the answer. Hallelujah. He said, if you knew who it was, who was asking you for a drink, you would have rather asked me, and I would have given you water that you would drink, living water that you would drink and never thirst again. She didn't get it initially, but eventually, revelation came progressively. She realized this was no mere man, you know, this is someone special. In the end, she became a believer. 
she became a transformed person. Just think about how she came there. Shy, afraid, dejected, rejected, had to come there alone. And then see how she rushed back to the town. The one who was hiding from people suddenly was going around telling everybody, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. With the excitement, she was going around from house to house, market square to market square, telling people, come and see someone who I have met. And the Bible says they listened to her. This is someone they would have shunned. This is someone they wouldn't have wanted to get close to. Someone whose words they wouldn't have put value to. But I'm sure they saw something had changed about this woman. How can this woman be transformed like that? Where is the energy coming from? Where is the excitement coming from? So, well, they followed her. And they came to Jesus. The Bible says they were all so blessed that they actually asked Jesus to stay for two more days in that town. And then many came to believe as well. Hallelujah. So I want to take this woman's story as an example of what Jesus does in our lives. Because I really believe that that is the biggest need of the world today. Especially when it comes to the area of relationships. Jesus. We need Jesus. If you're married and you want your marriage to work, you need Jesus. If you are single, you're not married, and so you're looking for a husband or a wife, having Jesus makes a difference. And if you are one who thinks, no, nah, I, mean, I don't think I'm ever going to get married again, how would you live this life and be okay? Again, it's Jesus. So let's see how. I think the key thing to note is that all of us as human beings have one fundamental need. is the need for love the need for acceptance. And so because of that, we tend to have a fear as well, which is a fear of rejection. When they're rejected, it's painful. You know, this woman had gone through rejection several times, at least five times. Only God knows how many times she was rejected before her first marriage and in between the marriages as well by those who just came and went away without getting married to her. Only God knows how many of us here have been bound several, several times. Only God knows how many feel rejected by our own families, by friends. Even possibly in the church, there could be someone sitting here who feels unaccepted in this church. It's, it's such a serious thing, and yet it's not always visible on the outside. It's an emotional thing. It's an inner thing that someone can be sitting right here and feeling really, really rejected. And you would not even know it. It's a deep, deep-seated problem which all of us as human beings have. We want to be loved. We want to be chosen. We want to be wanted. You know, we want to be liked. We want to feel that we matter to someone. We want to feel significant. This woman had that need. And I believe that probably explains why she went from man to man. She was searching for something. She was searching for love. She was searching for affection. She was searching for validation. She wanted to, to know that somebody loves me for me, just as I am. And that's what Jesus offered her. God knows where you are at. God knows how you feel. God knows where you hurt. But even more importantly, God knows where all our faults are. He knows our sins. He knows our past. The ones that we hide from everybody else. 
the ones that we cover with all these nice clothes and the makeup and the smiles and everything, God sees deep down. He sees it all. He knows it all. But the good news is he loves us all the same. Hallelujah. With all our faults, with all our weaknesses, with all our addictions, with all our insecurities, God loves us. Just as we are. But thankfully, he doesn't love us just as we are so that we remain that way. He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He wants to come in and then change us. Hallelujah. He wants to come in and make us better people. He wants to come in and make us what God intended us to be. So Jesus approached the woman and he helped her see that he knew what she was feeling inside. He helped her see that he knew how broken she was. And then he offered her repair, offered her salvation, offered her restoration. If only you knew who it was asking you, you would ask me and I will give you living water and you will drink this and never be thirsty again. It was strange for her because she had lived with thirst her whole life. She had lived with that hunger for affection, for acceptance, for love, for significance, her whole life, moving from man to man. Now suddenly someone says, I can give you this, and you will never be thirsty again. I wish the Bible had given us a record of what happened to her later on in life, after this encounter with Jesus. It would have been beautiful to know that she finally met a man, got married, and they lived happily ever after. But we are not told that, but I think we can infer it. Because Jesus came there to solve what the problem was. Hallelujah. So yes, the need for acceptance and the fear of rejection, a big one. But Jesus is the answer to that as well. Hallelujah. The thing about other kinds of solution or other solutions is this. They are highly unreliable. This woman tried to find it in men. And husbands. But the fact that she kept either being rejected or having to reject them and choose another one tells us that that wasn't the answer. It wasn't satisfying that deep hunger within. It wasn't fixing the problem. So whether she was rejected or she rejected them because they didn't measure up, we don't know. But what we do know is that she had to keep changing. So it tells us that men cannot solve the problem. Women cannot solve that problem. That deep-seated problem, that need within us all cannot be sorted out by human beings. But some of us may not go for a man or a woman to try and sort that hunger, that thirst out. We may go for other things. We may go for other things. Some go for education. School and school and school, amassing the degrees and all that, thinking that it will satisfy that hunger. It will suddenly make us acceptable. It will make us significant. People will begin to respect us because now I'm a PhD. I'm a double PhD. Or I am this and I am that. But as those who have gotten it, and you realize that now, they maybe have more issues than those who don't have it. Some think it will be in career. Be the best lawyer in town. Be the best teacher in the town, you know. Put everything into your career, become very successful, have a big house, have big cars, and you think you will get there. But we know, we all know, people who have made all that, who have the millions, and yet we can tell they are unsatisfied. We can tell they are unhappy. 
We can tell because they also keep changing and changing and changing. Every year they change their car. If the previous one had satisfied them, they wouldn't go for the newer one. They keep buying more houses. Why? You know, it doesn't satisfy. So some are changing men, some are changing women, but some are changing cars, some are changing careers, some are changing degrees. We are changing all kinds of things. But deep down, that need is still there. It's still there. Jesus says that I am the answer. I am the answer. Only I can meet that need. And there's a simple reason for that. And that reason is grace. Because everything else in this world is unstable. Human beings are unstable. Men are unstable. When they come to you and make their promises and even make their vows at the altar, they really mean it from their hearts most of the time. They are not lying. They are not, cheating. They are not deceiving you. But hey, we are unstable. We don't control tomorrow. So today, I truly, truly do love you. There's a whole spectrum of love. So hear what I'm saying. We have all the types. Agape is the one we should be looking for. But usually when we are studying and talking, it's the other ones at work. We really feel the emotion we are talking about. And sometimes we really do care, and we think it will be for a lifetime. So we are not being dishonest. But the thing is that we are not stable. Our emotions change. Our intentions change. And then you get disappointed. Women are not stable, stable either. Emotions change. Feelings change. Money is not stable. We all know people who had millions in one day, and the next day they are down to zero. It's not stable. Degrees are not stable. They are not. You can have a degree, but the skill that it takes to do the work, you can lose it. You can lose it. And if you lose that skill, then what do you do? The degree is there, but it's useless. You can't use it. You can lose it through an accident. You can lose it through illness. Through all kinds of ways, we can lose our skills and the knowledge that we have. Unstable. So that's the thing about other foundations or other forms of security, things that we try to find acceptance in and relevance in and significance in. They are unstable. They are volatile. And there's no way we can hold them on forever. We can't. There's only one thing that is unchanging. There's only one thing that is stable, and that is the love of God. That is the grace of God. The very definition of grace is God's unconditional love towards those who do not deserve it. It's unconditional, so that makes it unchanging. He didn't love you because you were good in the first place. He loved you because he chose to love you. Agape love is not a feeling kind of love. It's not men's kind of love. It's not women's kind of love. Agape love is a love that is of the will. It's a choice. I choose to love you, and I will love you forever. That's how God chose to love us. That is the grace of God. And the Bible says he chose us even before the foundations of the world, even before you were born. Psalm 139 says, even in your mother's womb, he knew you, and he planned your days ahead. The grace of God is deep. The grace of God is infinite. The grace of God is solid. It's unchanging. Philippians says that you can never do anything 
to make God love you more. And you can never do anything to make God love you less. That's the definition of grace. The grace of God is unconditional. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, not because of anything you have done or anything you haven't done. It's important we understand that concept of God's love for us because in this whole world, it's the only thing that is unchanging. It's the only sure foundation for our lives. And once we have grabs that grace, that love, it puts us in a place of security. It gives us a basic sense of acceptance and significance and a sense of value because of God's love for us. Not because people like you, not because of your looks, not because of your degrees or your job or your houses or your possessions, no. Those things are secondary. They are important and they are helpful. They are very important. But they change. That is the point about it all. A foundation, by definition, should not move. It should not shake. It should be stable. And so you want at the very root of your life to have this grace of God which is in Christ Jesus. It anchors you for life. When life goes up and it goes down, you remain stable because there's something stable, an anchor that holds your life. And interestingly, that is what holds relationships as well, especially marriage. Because you see, in relationships, like I said, people change. People's feelings change. Sometimes the feelings may not change, but the power to keep the promise changes. Oh, I'll do this for you. I'll do that for you. I still love you in that sense, emotional sense. I still want to do it, but what it takes to do it is not there anymore. Unstable. Only God is unchanging. It's one of his attributes. He's immutable. He cannot change. His faithfulness is forevermore. Hallelujah. No one else can give us that. Your husband cannot give you that. Your wife cannot give you that. Your father or your mother, your brother, your sister, they cannot give you that. That's why the Greek language is helpful with the various types of love they give us. Storge is the one that you get from family, your father, your mother. It's good, but it's unstable. It cannot help you at all times. Philo is good. Brotherly love, friends. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But it's unchanging. Because sometimes it's based on mutual interest. Sometimes it's based on proximity. You move away, you change jobs, and suddenly that friendship is gone as well. You know, eros is good, especially in marriage. Passion in marriage is wonderful. It's helpful. It keeps things going. But you and I all know that it's not the same all the time. Sometimes it even goes for weeks and months. There's no passion. There's no, the, the romance is gone. That, that's, you know, that sense is gone. And sometimes it's high. It's unstable. So the various forms of love themselves are not good enough. Only agape love. The unconditional love, which is unnatural. It is the love of God. That's the only thing that will keep us. And it's important because once we have received it from God, then we are in a place of stability. Only then are we able to extend that unconditional love to another person. And that's the stuff marriage is made of. Marriage is made of two imperfect people. Two people with flaws trying to make life together. It's hard. You'll step on each other's toes. You'll hurt each other again and again and again. And so you find that the other kinds of love are going up and down. Something like having disappeared for a year. People separate for a year or so, 
and then they come back. Th that's how volatile it is. But agape love never changes. It's stable. So if you make that the foundation, when the other ones are changing, you find that you are able to continue to love the person. And it keeps marriage going. Because it's a decision. I have decided I will love you forever. Sometimes we don't think about the vows when we are making them, but that's what we spoke to each other. It was a decision. We said, I will, I will, I do, I do. We said that. It's a decision. It's independent on how you feel. So if tomorrow you feel that she doesn't make you happy enough, hey, tell yourself it's a decision. I'm loving her to the end. I'm sticking with her to the end. That, that's how it works. It's the only way. It has to be unconditional love based on God's kind of love. And I said, you can't get that kind of love. It's not natural love. You can only get it from God. So that's why Jesus is the answer. Whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us. God demonstrated his love for us in this. That whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. When you have experienced that, when you have received that, only then are you able to show the same selfless, unconditional love to another person. That's why Jesus is the answer. That's why you can't find it anywhere else. He's the only one who gave his life for us. Unconditionally. That's why he's the answer. There are many religions in the world. Jesus didn't come to add to the religions. He came to show us how to have a relationship with God through himself. And then through that, how to have a relationship with one another. So that's why he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's why he came, to help us fulfill all the commandments. Listen, the answer is Jesus. There's no other way. You can't trust in yourself. It won't work. You can't. You can't trust in somebody else. You can't trust in all the things we mentioned. Because when you trust in them, you are in trouble. Because we said it, they change, they shift. Trust in God and you are okay. So this is not only for married people, but even for those who are not yet married. That's how you survive that singlehood period. That's how you survive it. Because there's a hunger, there's a need for acceptance, for love, for belonging, for significance. And you're not getting it as deeply as you want from your father and your mother and your brothers and your sisters and your friends. So there may be a hunger to have one person who is yours, we can call my wife, my husband. But until then, how do you survive? Until then, how do you go about confident and happy and, and lively, not feeling like a victim, not feeling down, not feeling needy? Because take note, that's one thing that stops a lot of people from finding a spouse. That, that thing of feeling needy. You may not realize it, but it sends out a vibe that repels people. People like someone who's confident, someone who's, you know, already okay in themselves. So you don't feel like you're carrying a load when you get close to that person. You don't feel like giving you burdens on your own life already. So when you have that satisfaction in Jesus, that peace that comes, that joy, that, that fruit of the spirit that comes with knowing Jesus, that living water, when he gives it to you, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness, it's self-control. That's the fruit of the spirit. It's, it's, that's something inside of you that makes you attractive. 
that makes you okay on your own. Colossians 2 verse 10, it says that we are complete in him. Hallelujah. So you're already complete in him. And then it makes you attractive. So for those who are single as well, listen, Jesus is the answer. If you find satisfaction in him, you find stability in him, you find your joy in him already, it's easier then to find someone else to come in and then you do life together. I hope it's making sense. So Jesus is the answer for marriage, for the relationship to work well as we receive grace and love. It says that we love because he first loved us. As we receive, we're able to show to others. But even for single people, if you're going to be satisfied in yourself, if you're going to be not miserable and depressed and be happy, it's Jesus as well. You find your acceptance in him. He loves you unconditionally. Maybe people have given you broken hearts severally. He will never do that. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. He loves us with an everlasting love. And he loves us not because of anything we, had, we have done. His love for us will never change based on anything we do in the future. It's a constant kind of love that we all need. So let's go back to the woman. What did Jesus do for her? He healed her hurts. He set her free. She became a joyful woman. She ran into the town and she brought others to Jesus. Who do you go to first? Who do you go to when you hurt? Who do you go to when you are down? I want to recommend Jesus. Go to Jesus. He knows already. He sees it all. Talk to him. Really, really talk to him. Lock yourself in the room and talk to him. Heart to heart. Say, Jesus, today you and I, I have a few things to say to you and I want to hear from you. You'll be amazed how he will reach out to you. So that goes to my second point already. So go to him and he will answer you. He said, if you knew who it was, you would ask me. He's, he's happy to be asked. In fact, he's, he's kind of frustrated that we are not asking. He said, if you knew, if you knew. And he knows that lots of our problems are because we don't know. So he's eager to reveal to us. I said, if you knew, you would ask. It's an invitation to ask, hallelujah. He says, ask, ask me, and I will give you this living water. He's eager to give it out. And remember, it's unconditional. You just have to ask. He doesn't say, go and do this first. Go and cleanse yourself first. Go and stop. That. No. He says, ask. If only you recognize that I am the answer, and you ask me, I will come. Hallelujah. And when he comes, he fills us. He fills us with his spirit. And we will drink and never be hungry again. So in conclusion, Jesus is a gift of God. He said, if, only, if you only knew the gift of God, if only you recognized me, he's a gift of God to us. He's the one who comes to make us stable. He's now comes to fill us with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The joy, the peace, the love, everything we are looking for, he gives that to us. That hunger for acceptance and love and significance, it's in Jesus. He says, come, I am the gift of God to you. The grace of God is embodied in Jesus. So he says, come. Ask all your needs. And I said, loving daddy, I will give it to you. Your mistakes don't matter. Five husbands, six abortions, 12 children that you didn't accept. You were just going around impregnating women and their children are littered all over. Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the past. He knows it. He sees it already. He says, come. Come, ask me. And I will give you this living water. Hallelujah. 
I want to invite us to come to Jesus this morning. That's why he came. That's the only reason Jesus came. That we might recognize him as the son of God. That we might recognize him as the solution to man's problems, all our needs, and that we will come and ask of him that he would give us. In fact, he tells us that, ask, and I will give you so that my father will be glorified and your joy will be complete. So I'd like us to stand together this morning and let's do some asking. But first, let's recognize who he is. Let's recognize who he is. If only you know who it is. Maybe you've been familiar with Jesus, but you have never really sat down to, to, to know him. This morning, let's ask that he will help us to know him deeper. Let's ask for revelation. For the Samaritan woman, it was a progressive revelation, but it came. So let's ask that he will, he will reveal himself more to us. And let's thank him for who he is, our Savior, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who gave himself for us. Hmm. The one who will never leave us nor forsake us. Our sure foundation. Our anchor in this life. That's who he is. Our redeemer. Our savior. Let's thank him for who he is. Let's ask him for a deeper revelation. That it will be a personal relationship with him. That will move from believing in him to a place of trusting him for our daily lives. To a place of depending on him daily as our source. Let's repent of dependence on other people and other things. If there's been anything that you have been hoping that you, you could build your life on for security, for acceptance, for, for significance, this is a good time to say, Lord Jesus, I repent. Now I know that you are the gift of God. Now I know that you are the solid foundation. Now I know that you're the one who can turn my life around. You're the only one who can satisfy. You're the only cup that won't run dry. Every other source will run dry from time to time. But Jesus, you are the source, the cup that will never run dry. And so today, Lord Jesus, we come to you. We come to you recognizing fully that you are our source, that you are the life giver. Oh, Jesus, you are the solid foundation, the rock on which we can build our lives, the rock on which we can build our relationships, the rock on which we can build our marriages, the rock, the rock on which we can build our families, the unchanging rock. Thank you, Jesus. And so now let's ask. Ask him for living water. Ask him. Ask him for the Holy Spirit. Ask him. Just ask right now that he will flood your heart with his presence, with his love. Ooh, that you will know his acceptance. That you will have that confidence that you are loved and you are loved and you are loved forever and ever. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he is a dependable God. Whoa, that's who he is. That's who he is. The Bible says that whatever he started in us, he will complete it. He will bring it to a perfect end. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Everybody else can let you down. People can insult you or mock you or reject you, but Jesus never will. And so you will never, ever be dejected because you have Jesus. Jesus, today we ask that you will come. If you have never asked him to, ask Lord, to be Lord and personal Savior, this is a good time to do so. 
Lord Jesus, come. Come into our lives, we pray. Forgive us all our sins. Cleanse us, wash us, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that life can do anything to us. People can do anything to us. They can kick us, they can hit us, they can insult us, they can mock us, they can reject us, they can ignore us. But we thank you that in you we have a safe place. In you we have an anchor. In you we have a resting place. A baseline confidence that we are worthy. A confidence that we are loved. That we are wanted. That if everybody rejects us, at least we know one person has chosen us. But we find our confidence and our joy and our sense of self-worth in you, Lord Jesus. Give us this living water that we might never thirst again. Amen. So we are open to, please have your seats. So we are open to, to talk some more. Some of these teachings or preachings are just to open the door for conversations. To bring, you know, Jesus said, if only you knew. Sometimes we just don't know. So now that knowing is coming, understanding is coming, let's open the door for conversation. Reach out to us. Reach out to your leaders. We are here for you. Let's talk. And then we see how we can administer this grace of God in your life. And I promise you, I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change my marriage. And I know it can change yours as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.